Uh, what's up, y'all? It's Chris Chance. I'm here with Talking URL, greeted by my co-host, Jack Lightburn, fellow what's URL. Up, uh, we're here with a legend. Real legend. Don't gas me. <laughs> uh, introduce yourself to the people. Let them know who you are. Say it loud and proud. Um, I came here with nothing prepared. So hi, I'm I'm Max. Um, I do a lot of different shit, like just creative projects. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't like titles anymore because everybody's like an A and R or mm-hmm. whatever. But um, I've been doing that for a few years, and I just try to like see things in people that they might not see in themselves, and like help them bring it out, and hopefully build a, a long career with that. That, that's pretty much what I do. Okay, and uh, yeah, right now I'm just in this uh, in this weird new world. And now in your guys' weird new world. So yes. yeah, let's, let's get into some shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, um, I guess maybe we should have some context of like how we all know each other. That might be good. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to lead into that. So like, okay. what is, before we get to that, I want to ask, what was your first username? Or gamer tag. Oh like shit! Aliens. <laughs> okay, um, <clears throat> I wasn't the craziest gamer, but the first one that came to mind was my first AOL, which was Ooh. Music DJ One Hundred Two at AOL. <laughs> That's funny as fuck. That's cool as hell. Now, like you're still yeah. like in music and all that. Like, yeah, I and like I the... was like four or five when I made that <laughs> or some shit. Like AOL, yeah. like it's that era. <laughs> Fucking aim and shit. That's um no, I, I find it interesting because. It's like if you look at somebody's first pro, like you know profile name or something, it kind of usually ties back into what they're doing right now. Like, yeah, so that's really cool to know. Um, but yeah, let's give people the context. So, okay, everybody, I think almost everybody on this podcast kind of has been in the same, uh, I guess, hometown on the internet. Um, and let, yes. let's let's talk about that. <laughs> so, what is your hometown of the internet? Uh. I guess I want to say like, uh, well, I know what you're thinking, but let me let me try to contextualize it the way that that <laughs> makes the most sense to me. Um, people who love Kanye West, so naturally KCT is a part of of the conversation. Yeah. Um, like New York City, like downtown New York City creative vibe. Mm-hmm. I guess is the hometown, and like literally the hometown now. I don't know if you guys are, are here right now, but I'm I'm back in the city um yeah that that shit and i guess like twitter i've been on twitter over 10 years now i realized recently yeah which you is crazy that but that's crazy to me because i was like i don't even know i don't remember what the fuck i was doing on twitter like i think i followed a few mu- musicians and i was like trying to write mm-hmm. and just like meet people or whatever um yeah like that, that type of shit's making me feel old so yeah i'm i'm part of that early ktt scene i think we're, we're all kind of from there to a degree yeah and I, I never talk about this shit publicly this is probably the only time in my life i'm ever talking about this <laughs> okay okay, okay. <laughs> this is funny this is funny because i anytime yeah. i talk about it people are like all right let's talk about it but i didn't yeah. what, what, do you want to so do you want to dive into it that much or do you just want to kind of gloss over it in terms of like oh uh, no no we, we could totally talk about it because um because we all met through there and that's how i met jason sideman Mm-hmm. 
I don't, I feel like more people that we all know were on it, but like we didn't necessarily meet on there. Yeah. You know it was I mean? like we find out later on, like, oh, you was on there too? Like, yeah. yeah like, just like, like the communities. There. The communities are kind of built outside and in and around all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody just went to Twitter eventually or like, yeah. <laughs> or met similar people that knew other people through it mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, definitely that was the scene. And like, a lot of crazy shit has happened from KTT. Like even Haji, like starting there with his music or or whatever. Like like that shit has really been tripping me out the last couple of years. The more people that I realize are from there. Yeah. No, it, yeah. it is. It's like I don't know. You start a. It's kind of just like a like I said in this last podcast. It's kind of like a fraternity. It's like everybody's <laughs> just like low key and like kappa 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 T or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Like, I, I find it to be very funny because I mean, like, it, it leads to all different types of places. You know, I talk to musicians, I talk to, you know, I mean, like uh, models, directors, blah blah blah. And you do a lot of things, but one thing I really want to talk to you about, Max, I've really been wanting to talk to you. I've been looking for. Let's talk right. about these fucking NFTs, bro. I knew it was coming. I Let's love talk Let's about this. bro. Sure. I have never seen somebody sell it. And be so informed about it as you've been. Like you every day, I've opened up tweeting about NFTs. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like for I like for a few right months now, now right? I'm kind of like a, a a dummy when it comes to NFTs. Like I kind of get it. Like I, I figure out it's like digital ownership, but like mm-hmm. give your how how are you introduced to NFTs? And gonna, yeah, right. no, just go ahead. Actually, just start from there. Yeah. Um. I'm going to piss a few people off with my origin story because the first NFT I purchased was a Beeple for $1 and Beeple is now like the biggest artist in the world. Um, yeah. At least like on the NFT side, but, um, and I, I want to like preface everything by saying I'm not a blockchain expert. Like I'm not a programmer. I understand these things like, you know, in broad strokes, like more so conceptually. Um, and I'm curious about it which is why I've gotten so involved like over the last few months, but um, Beeple's first drop on Nifty Gateway, he did an edition of a hundred for a dollar. I had been following Beeple for a few years, just on Instagram um, from his every days. Like he does a, a work of art every day. He's done it for over 5,000 days now. And um, I saw he was doing it. And I was like, it's a dollar. I have nothing to lose. So let me see what this is about. And I noticed that like more and more artists that I was following on Twitter at the beginning of COVID were like, going on Maker's Place, which is another platform and Super Rare got really big. And, and, you know, people on the timeline are seeing people selling shit for like five figures or whatever on Super Rare. Um, so I was just really curious. I went on the drop. Um, I somehow got one. Like, it was still early then. So there were a lot of people going for them. But like, like now that would be impossible without botting it, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and like hypebeasts are on it now. So like yeah. people who who bought like finish line or whatever the fuck like are doing this to nifty gateway and another yeah. platform um but yeah i got number 95 out of 100 so like almost didn't get one but i got one and uh i went on maker's place from there like i i i started to understand more of like you know what is sh- like how much is shit selling for and like what artists are like the top artists and who are some of the influential collectors or investors or whatever and like all this shit is free. Like it's, it's Google and Twitter and discord mm-hmm. research. So you just got to put in the time. And like, what really blew my mind um, 
was the smart contract aspect of it and like people being able to earn royalties and perpetuity on their work and like all these amazing things that as someone working uh, formerly like in the music industry, like the major music industry and now sort of working like parallel to it or like adjacent mm -hmm. to it, um, I was like, okay, there's something to do here in music, but also like I love visual art and I have some friends that do it. So like, let me see how I can involve them or how I could support other artists that I, I follow on Twitter or fuck with or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's where it started. And the Beeple piece click, quickly went from like a dollar to people selling it for like a few hundred or a few thousand. And then like 4,000 by the end of last year. And I was like, this is a pretty great come up. Like I, I do a little bit of stocks and like other shit. And I was like, a dollar into four grand is like, that, that's a pretty crazy come up. True. Like you never get that return usually on a stock or anything. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was contemplating selling it. And then for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? I love this artist. I, I have loved this artist for a long time. I'm gonna hold this shit and just see what happens. And you know, if I make any money off of it, that's a bonus. It was a dollar. Um, and I started buying like not crazy expensive pieces on Maker's Place, like just of cool stuff I was seeing. Cause like, why not just to understand it? So I put in like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And then, um, and then, yeah, at the top of the year, it started climbing like five grand, 10 grand. When I, when it hit 10 grand and I started telling people, they're like, you're fucking crazy for not selling this. Like, why haven't you sold it yet? Yeah. And I'm like, it was a dollar. Like, why? What, like, I'm here for the ride. Like, whatever. Yeah, for real. And then, bro, and there are a hundred of them. Like, he did other drops and like, all. I, I think his total circulation of NFTs now is like still under a thousand. Okay. So it's still pretty limited. Like, total all of his drops so far. Um, and then this is like basically like a TLDR of like how NFTs have blown up for anyone who's watching this. Like this is like, this is how Beeple has become famous basically. But mm -hmm. um, people just kept scooping up his shit on the secondary market. And it started going from like people selling the piece I have for like 10K a day, 15K, whatever, going up and up and up. And then it, it hit 100K like a month ago or three weeks ago or something. And I was like, okay, like, I, I don't know why I haven't bought a lot more. So mm -hmm. I started like buying shit that I've been looking at for months and like, you know, putting in some, some real investment, like into artists that I believe in nothing crazy, but like, you know, buying pieces for a few hundred bucks here and there. And like now a lot of those pieces are like the blue chip, like assets of, of NFT, like artists that are like the Teslas and Apples of, of this new thing. And, and it's not just about the money. Like I want to, I want to make that like very apparent to the people I work with and the people I talk to about it. But I think it's important to talk about it because it is a business, like at the end of the day. And um, there are great things about it. There are problems with it already. Um, and, you know, I, I think it just needs, like people just need to be transparent about why they're doing it. Cause it, it should be about the artists and not people just trying to cash in on like the hot new thing. And that's really like that is happening already, especially with the trending and shit. But yeah, Beeple has a, has a Christie's auction. So that's like, his yeah. pieces are just booming right now. It's insane. And it's going to be a lot crazier in the next month or two. So in terms of like, uh, I guess like the way that things are like stored and everything, it's similar to like a, just like a blockchain wallet. Like you have like an address or something and then it just like goes to that. Yeah. And it, it depends on the platform. Cause like Nifty Gateway, um, it, it's like, it's not really a, a wallet, like a MetaMask or something like that, where it's like an Ethereum wallet. It's like, it's sort of native to their site. 
So some people even argue like, don't keep your shit on their site because like you don't mm-hmm. own it and they own your wallet. But like, there there are all these things in terms of like how to sell them and uh, you know everybody makes their own choices with the shit. But yes, like essentially you store it in a wallet um, and and the platforms all have different you know procedures and things that you could do. Got you. It's like when I first got into i guess like you know trying to research it and all that i saw the art aspect and all that but then i started getting confused with like resources like or like explain how like an art like it's hard for me to even like like explain my question because it's hard for me yeah like, like but it's like okay like a certain person can sell a service or something that they're doing at like like on blockchain or something like that or like a certain resource a digital resource like, yeah 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 so um it's crazy because we're gonna watch this back in a few years and be like this was like a this yeah. is like a crazy moment to document um so the phase we're in right now is what i'm calling the collectible phase and, and by like all this shit is my opinion like mm-hmm. i i'm not the number one expert on this shit this is just my opinion like what i've learned over the last few months um what i feel right now is a collectible phase where um people are are essentially investing in tradable assets so like if i make an nft tomorrow whether it's like an incredible drawing or painting or digital work or like you know the laziest thing you can imagine essentially selling that thing as an nft or attaching the the blockchain smart contract to that to that image or that thing like you're you're creating a tradable asset of like what the max Kolchinsky brand is or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or, or in another, or people or whoever, um, you don't own the art unless it's stated like, you know, when you purchase it. So like, um, for example, like I can't, I can't make copies of, of the people artwork and sell them, or I can't use them for like an album artwork for an artist I work with or yeah. whatever, you know, um, that's what I mean by the collectibles phase is like, people are essentially trading assets from different brands or people or artists or music, whatever. It, it's like a stock in that, like there's cultural capital and, mm-hmm. and the demand, the supply and demand really determines the price. Like it's not, you're not trading like in most cases, something that uh, goes beyond the smart contract. Some people mm-hmm. are attaching physical items to them like, uh, you know, merch or, um, something I really want to do is vinyl records. Um, and I, I think I'm going to wind up doing that very soon, which I'm excited about. Um, like events, like ticket concert tickets. A lot of people are predicting like this could really disrupt the resale market. Um, experiences like maybe like, uh, like backstage passes for life. You know, if an artist were to sell, like a musician were to sell one for like, you know, hella money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are artists on Nifty Gateway or other platforms right now that are, that are attaching, like uh, Beeple has done a few physical like frames and different things. Uh, Slime Sunday has a book attached to one of his pieces. So like, yeah, we're in the collectibles phase. What's really the mind fuck that happens with NFTs and blockchain smart contracts and all this stuff is when you get into like how this could really upend a lot of systems that already exist like financial institutions, um, you know, payments within the music industry or mm-hmm. other, other industries, just the, the distribution of, of money and, and paying people and determining value and all these things. And like, 
so yeah, right now we're, we're very much in like the first phase of it. And I think when people talk about like an NFT bubble, they're referring to like, you know, only so many collectibles can be sold and like only so many baseball cards or vinyl records or coins or stamps are worth a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a difference between like a, uh, like a Mickey Mantle rookie card and like, you know, some other baseball player or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, that's where we're at right now, I think. Um, and, and people are going to flood the market over the next few months because every record label is talking about how do we do an NFT now when like a few weeks ago, nobody gave a shit when mm-hmm. I was trying to talk to them about it. Um, talk or anybody for that matter. Talk so, yeah. Um, you know, Virgil is about to come into the space. He's going to kill it. I think Virgil might be the biggest NFT artist this time next year, to be honest. If, if you really, um, especially with the collaborations he's going to do, like he's going to, he's going to fucking kill it. Um, and a lot of hip hop artists are just people in like the hip hop rap culture, like whatever it's, it is fucking culture period. But like mm-hmm. that's lacking a lot from the space right now. And I think like the companies and, and the, the teams and artists and whoever that do it the right way in the next like three to six months are going to make a ton of money and have a lot of impact. Um, but it's not like there are very few that are genuine at this point that have done that. And, and musicians period that have done it in like a meaningful, genuine way. Um, and that's one of my big goals is really to like, be like, yo, we could do this. And like, you will make millions of dollars and I'm not going to like take all of it, but like, mm-hmm. let me help you do it the right way so that you don't burn out on the first drop. And like, so that people don't cringe at it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. I have a lot more clarity about this. So how like cool. accessible is like, I guess like if somebody wanted to just like hypothetically just make an NFT today, like what are the steps that you have to go through to do that? Yeah. Uh, it depends on the platform. Uh, I don't want that to be the answer to every question, but it, mm-hmm. it does really matter. Um, the big roadblock right now, just with crypto in general, but or, or with Ethereum in general, um, but specifically to NFTs are the gas prices, which is basically like a, like a network transaction fee. So every time you transfer ether, like you have to burn gas in order to send it. So each mm-hmm. transaction like costs money to do. Um, and that's a big problem because on some platforms like that could be a hundred or $200 for each piece, like for each edition of each piece. Um, so you know, there, there's kind of a high bar- barrier of entry already, like in 2021 for this right now. And people are working on that. There's something, um, it's way more intricate than I can even understand, but there's something called um, Harmony Protocol. They're working on like a solution to basically um, have NFTs like sitting on, and these transactions as a whole, like sit on top of the main chain so that like, there's still Ethereum transactions, but like you don't have to pay the same fees. Um, and some people are calling that like chain two or link two, or th- there's like a few different things. Um, so it's being worked on, but that's a big thing. So like, yeah, you do have to have some upfront capital. And, and I say to people like, you have to, you have to build like momentum in a community and people that want to invest in your work. It's like anything else, you know, like just because you make something doesn't mean it's worth anything to someone else. Like, mm-hmm. It could be worth um, it could be worth six point six million dollars. Like with people last week, somebody resold a piece for that much one just one piece. Um, you know, it could be worth nothing. It could sit on Rarible for 
six months. And like, and, and that's a platform that's like open for anyone to use. That's, that's one to look at. Um, not my favorite personally, but like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there's also the whole gatekeeper thing. It's like, it's like getting on a Spotify playlist to a, to a certain degree. It's like mm-hmm. not everybody could drop on Nifty Gateway. It's too popping. Like even like big people can't drop on there anymore because they're late now. And like, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of shit. Um, and the same with Super Rare, like they're great artists that I know that haven't gotten in yet. Um, like Zora is a, is a really cool one right now. I would say that's like the really like cool, like cool kid indie vibe one, yeah. Zora. Um, shout out to Feltzine. They have a great page on there. Um, shout out to Squibs. He, he did his first drop on there and like sold his first piece in a, in a day and made a really good amount of money on a sick thing, a sick piece. Um, there are a few. And also I, I, I'm really interested in this new one called Bitsky where you could pay with a credit card similar to, to Nifty Gateway and make your place. I think that makes it easy too for like, for anyone that wants to maybe buy a piece or like, or try to, you know, support an artist or whatever. It's like, you have to learn how to buy crypto, transfer it to a wallet, you know, understand the gas fee thing. And like, even I struggle with it sometimes, like there, I've had trouble on some of these platforms, like checking out with Ether. It's, you know, it's not for the for the weak hearted or like yeah, or the you know whatever. It's not. Yeah, I understand that perfectly. Like, because with Bitcoin, it, it's still in that that point. I mean, not Bitcoin, but just all cryptocurrency in general. It's yeah, at that point yeah. Where it's just not like you don't have like a Bitcoin card. It's not as like you know simple as that. Like, it's just like dude, you got to type in this whole code and all this stuff. Like, so I think yeah. that that's really interesting that you can like pay with card on there. It's gonna make it a lot more accessible. Like, yeah. Funny. Yeah, yeah, it it makes it really easy to get into some of these new drops and like, and that's why Nifty Gateway, I think, especially right now, is just fucking booming because, like, there are drops almost every single night of the week, and like, if there are open editions, which basically means like it's not, um, it's not like you have to get on the drop at the second it drops and like it's limited. Like, whoever wants to purchase it within a certain window of time can. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last time people did that was like in December, for example, and he sold like, I think close to like a thousand copies of like three or four different pieces. And and that seemed high at the time. But then like Mike, Micah Johnson was an incredible artist, a former MLB player for the Dodgers. Um, I think it was the Dodgers, the Braves and the White Sox. Um, he quit baseball to, to pursue art. He put out this amazing piece last week on Nifty Gateway that I think everybody should know about. It's an incredible character named Aku, who's a black astronaut. And the whole series was sort of like, um micah's response to his nephew i think it was his nephew who like asked if if astronauts could be black and like it's this whole like university's building of like you know like the for young kids like that anything is possible and like they're gonna learn it through this character and um and he did this incredible drop and he he beat the record for open editions i think he sold like i think like 1100 or 1400 or something in, in a few minutes and then a few days later an artist so he made like over a million dollars just on that one piece in a few minutes and then because uh, they were a thousand bucks each um that's the point i was getting to by the way is like the open editions you can oh. get in on it but it's like some of them are expensive like now they're like a thousand bucks last year yeah. they might have been like 50 or 100 or whatever um but real quick before we move on because this is a very important piece and like this is not investment advice but <laughs> financial disclosure whatever mm-hmm. the fuck but like I'm very I, I love this piece and everybody loves this piece that's like that's in the scene right now, I'd say. 
Um, it's called Bitcoin Angel. It's by an artist named Trevor Jones. And write that he down. Stole... Write that down. Yeah, right. Wait, bring, um, it, up, bring it up on your computer screen, Jack. It's oh, on. Shit. Yeah, you can share it. It's on Nifty Gateway. It's the number. If you go to niftygateway.com and you click SAS, it's the number one piece on the marketplace. Um, oh. Yeah, so it, it's fucking booming. And he sold like like 4,100 copies in seven minutes. Um, at a thousand dollars or no at, at $777 a pop. So he made like some fucking crazy amount, like 3 million or 4 million in seven minutes. Um, and it's the most traded piece on the website already. It's been out for like five days or something. Um, and it, it has like the crypto Bitcoin theme. It, it has like a sort of like a classical look. Um, classical is probably not the right art term. I'm really tired guys. Um, but, uh, no, it's, it's a great piece. And like, th I think this one, if, if you're bullish on Bitcoin, like you should be bullish on this piece because there's another giveaway when Bitcoin hits 77 grand, like he's going to give away like a, like a custom drawing or something like that. He, yeah, it, it's a deep rabbit hole, everybody. No, yeah, <laughs> no. Rabbit hole. I'll be one real really interesting here thing here is that this is like another continuation of one thing that I've noticed about all of us and people that are friends with us and people around us is that like, Things like this take an investment of time and interest to get into. All the things that we care about, we actually care about and we put time into, whether it's, you know, going on forums to find music leaks or pre-sale codes for tours or, you know, right. going through these sites and looking through these arts. I think that's a pretty interesting commonality. So I wanted to go back to collectibles because I know that you're a big record collector. I wanted to yes, talk sir. about your record collection. Do you have any specific favorites or any you want to right, talk about? Yeah, actually, take us on a tour. Yeah, take us oh, on a tour. Oh, sweet. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, I need to fill up the bottom shelf, but yeah. Okay, I'm show pretty us. Good so far. Show, if you can, <laughs> do you have your favorite three on standby, like where you know they're, where they're at? Or they're or just Fuck. hidden? I can't pick three, dude. Because like, and it, it depends, like when people come over or whatever, um, by the way, if you're watching this, if you want to come over, you got to get tested. There's no conversation about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when people come over, um, I usually like, like if they ask me that or they want to see like specific things, like Swan is kind of a quintessential record to own, but it's like a thousand dollars now. Um, yeah. It's fucking crazy on Discogs and eBay and all that. Um, that shit was an NFT. <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah. Like, when you were talking have, about the Beeple piece earlier, I was like, oh, this is just my blonde vinyl. Yeah, except it's like a hundred times more expensive yeah, like right now, or or one hundred fifty times more expensive mm -hmm. right now. Um, yeah, I have Ready to Die on on the table right now, actually, because I, I was gonna listen to it and then like more calls happened in the afternoon. But um, mm -hmm. so many. I mean, I I have uh, even just on the wall here. I have like this is from when I met Twigs last year. Um, like yeah, I don't know. I got that one. I bought. I I met Kendrick once, but um that was like for butterfly but uh yeah, they posted her in the background can't forget i just dude, yeah yeah, yeah got yo, it. Get a. Hell all right yeah. so I'll, I'll tell a quick story about that poster it's it, at the time it was one of my great accomplishments when i was like 20 years old or like 19 years old or something um i uh <laughs> jesus christ i'm telling the story uh so i was uh i was working at sony music doing college marketing and uh which basically meant i was like putting up posters and like doing like campus events and like networking and like trying to do shit and getting paid minimum wage. And um, <clears throat> I, um, I went to this record store a lot downtown. I'm not, I'm not gonna name the record store, but one day, like I, I, would, I would always talk to the owner cause he was just like a real schmoozer or whatever. 
and he would always say like sony never sends me shit like they used to send me free shit and they never send me shit and like record store day comes and they never like hook me up or whatever um and one day i was just schmoozing with him or whatever and i i look up at the ceiling and that poster is like clipped to the ceiling like he has like paper uh like like potato chip clips on the poster like and like like tied to the ceiling or whatever and i was like is that an original kid a poster and he was like yeah and i was like can i buy that off of you and he was like i i don't usually sell those and i was like how do i walk out of your store with that poster like that's my grail like this is one of this is like if not my favorite album of all time like in the top five yeah. or, ten or three or two whatever um and i i basically just like went to sony and i was like this record store guy like always complains that like we never give him stuff and like he's just like every time i come in to put up posters he like gives me a hard time like can you just give me a bag like full of records or like full of like promo shit that i could give to him and i just like show up literally with the bag like this huge like, bag of shit and and he took down the poster and he gave it to me <laughs> so fire okay yeah <laughs> really a badge of honor at this point like that was like some that was a, a reflection of what you were doing at the time you got that because you was doing your job good man that's fire yeah it's a yeah, lot yeah. of music. damn yeah yeah i have a few pieces in here that like that that have meaning um and they're just like little reminders like on the surface they look like memorabilia or whatever but they're mm -hmm. like you know like don't don't forget that one like when yeah. you're on that call and you look at that it's like uh you know that type okay, of thing okay so now we still and, and, and that's what records are for too by the way yeah. for me it's like it's so much about that um like i know you're a huge d'angelo fan like i need more d'angelo vinyl in my life like i don't have enough i only have brown sugar um you know i i have like almost every james blake record so like all of those kind of come from different times in my life and like buying them in stores in different parts of the world or whatever um like other music there you go there you fucking go it is a crazy gatefold it has like a book in it that's nice that's, that's really cool. nice is that a repress yes it's a repress okay I'm, I'm just gonna get one at some point i've been holding yeah. out to get an original but they're like 100 bucks they're like 200 i had bucks. that same feeling with uh with matt villainy and then everything happened and then they, what you call it uh hold up uh, I'm Bro did the repress and i was like oh my god thank you like yeah, actually, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know how that that's how i am with the uh because the internet vinyl i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy a repress i have to get the screenplay have to you, you gotta get this well it's, which one are you trying to get though are you trying to get not, not the new one just the just the original pressing oh, okay okay i thought you were trying to get that roscoe wetsuit for real bro that shit that, that's impossible I have I have the bootleg. I have two oh. versions of the bootleg and the screenplay. Wow. And I, ha dude, I have crazy, I've sold some stuff. Like there were times in my life where like, it wasn't even necessarily like I needed the money, but I was kind of just like, I'm, I'm willing to part with this and like let someone who, who's going to love this more than me have it. Mm -hmm. um, so I've sold like a few things over the years, but um, yeah, I have all of those. And one of them is still sealed actually. One Ooh. of the bootlegs. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, but um, this is this is an important record because I bought this on a, a work trip to LA. This is an original, and you look at the Amoeba sticker. Where is it? Nine ninety nine. That's what I paid for this like three years ago at Amazing. Amoeba in Hollywood. I think the receipt's still in here somewhere. I, I kept that for whatever reason, mm -hmm. and like you know, no, you have kind of glad. But, your reminder. <laughs> but yeah, like I I was at um I think I was at the Capitol Building in Hollywood because it's like right down the block from there. And, uh, and like someone that I used to work with had just moved around there. So like, I was kind of like in between shit 
and I popped in there and I saw this and I, I really thought of Jason because this is like one of Jason's favorite albums. Like yeah. and he put me on, he put me onto this album heavy. Like mm-hmm. Kid A too, honestly. Like he was really just like, what, no, like you have to. What's his name on Casey? Wasn't it like Mad Villainy something? Yeah. It might have been. Yeah, it was it, Mad Villainy. I remember because he had the Mad, he had the Mad Lib. Uh, oh, wow. There's seat. Yeah, it's like so random. Yeah, he had the Mad Lib heavy on that mug. No, yeah, I, I, it was something interesting. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know. When you see, like, when, when you walk or, like, say, like, when you're on a call, right? Yeah. And you see somebody's background and you see they got the record, like, uh, they got the record, like, you know, shit all in the back. You're like, oh, this is someone of culture. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> we can have a talk. <laughs> that happened with me on a work call. Like, and, and it'll, naturally that'll happen in music. But, like, mm-hmm. a dude that I didn't really, uh, I didn't expect him to be into it, like, had a great, like, you think my shelf is sick. He had, like, double the amount. I think, like, his dad gave him a bunch, but. It was sick. It was, I, I love talking to people about this stuff. And it, it, these are the things that like you really, they're just things. And they're obviously like material goods aren't the most important things in life. But like we all appreciate, at least us three, like all appreciate certain collectibles or certain whatever from different artists or different times in our life. And it's like, this is like the shit we're going to have our whole lives. Like I, I don't ever think I'm going to sell my records, like unless I really have to. Um, it's wild man no yeah it's like why like i feel like if you're into music it's kind of like the all right like you start off with like having the perfect itunes library you know what i mean like yeah. all yeah. of your artwork is perfect blah, 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 and you're like i actually need to hold this i need to have this like i don't know i i, I have to like uh, i binge with vinyls like mm-hmm. i'll basically have like probably a month or something i'll just go crazy i'll probably buy like 10 and i just gotta stop for a while i'm like okay cool like you know but it, it's really fun going to those because it has like a thrift aspect to it also. Like, cause you can obviously yeah. go get new ones and shit. You can go to rough trade, you can get the brand new shit. But if you go to those really old random ass, you know, like record shops, like I went yeah. one a few days ago, I found like this Roberta, uh, the, the Roberta flag, uh, feel like making love record for like 10 bucks. Hell yeah. Stevie for like 10, like, yeah. uh, Oh, you gotta have Stevie. I have almost every Stevie now that took a few years. Ooh, that's fire. And they're not even that expensive. Like you could get, I got a, a brand new copy of Hotter Than July still sealed at Bleecker Street Records right before COVID for like $10. Wow. I couldn't even believe that it was still sealed from like, what what year did that album come out? Like 80 something? Like 82 uh, or 84 or something? Yeah. Like, it, it's, I mean, yeah. shit, like. That's, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are really cheap. Like you can get intervisions for like eight bucks, ten bucks. I think the whole vinyl market has really gone up though since COVID, which is kind of yeah. interesting too. But um speaking of vinyls, yeah. Max, do you own any Daft Punk? I don't think have you talked about this on the have we talked about this at all, Chris, yet? Have we talked about Daft Punk? No. So Max, we can start with your morning. We we can stop we can start with your Daft Punk collection, then we can transition to Daft Punk itself. <laughs> Daft Punk collection. I have if you uh, own any. Yeah, I have three Daft Punk records. I have Discovery, uh, probably like a, a repress. It's not like a special copy. I really want the Japanese one. I tweeted about that today, oh, actually. Braille. That's, that's a Braille. That's a yeah. Braille. That, that shit is like, I thought it was expensive before they broke up. That shit now is like a few grand, right? It's over. It's over. If you wanted anything Daft Punk <sighs> before this, like... <laughs> Yeah, like all, all records are out of press too. So even Discovery, like which I got like maybe a year ago, flipping. Yeah, at least um, 
if you have, you know, uh, you're a live 2007 fund, you can invest that to NF- uh, NFTs now, you know, so. That's true. That's true. true. I should dude, I regret not copying that. I have, um, I do have the Tron soundtrack. I have a special version that came out last year. It was mm-hmm. like UK only. Um, and buying records from the UK is, is very mixy, as you might know, like if you have, because like people just mail them in like, the flimsiest mailers, like no padding, like no hard cardboard. It's just like an envelope or like they like wrap it in newspaper or some shit, yeah. um, like fish and chips. But uh, <laughs> I got, I got like a, a crispy ass copy of the, the Tron repress they did for the 10th anniversary. And I haven't opened it yet. I need to, I need to open that and listen to that soon. And then I have random access. Like I bought that probably the mm-hmm. day it came out. And that's one of that's probably one of my favorite records, like low key, because I don't listen to it that much. But when I do, I'm like, yo, yeah. like this album exists. Like we're lucky we got this, you know. Like yo, when George, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like RIPing Daft Punk. Like they're oh, yeah. still alive, you know. Like yeah. we got a great last album. That's that's enough for me. It's crazy thinking about it because like when you listen to fucking when you listen to the last track for the first time, you know, like you didn't realize that that was it that was over like that like that is one of the most like beautiful endings of an album now like it was already amazing then but just thinking back at it now like wow i think still probably the most impressive song on that album to me is giorgio by mordere that song is so fucking like there's this one little part in that song where it goes like That shit has yeah. been in my head for like the last fucking like eight years now. Like, but yeah. oh my god, those string arrangements are crazy. Like every that yeah, I mean the whole record. People who who were on Twitter talking shit about that record the day they broke up, I was like, how do you not like this? Like, do you not yeah. like Pharrell? Like, do you not like guitar riffs? Like, do you not? No, you don't like Niles Roger. I don't get it. Yeah, you don't appreciate Niles Roger. Dude, doing it right is a classic like New York City venue pre-concert song. Yes. Like they would play that at like uh uh like Irving Plaza, they would play that all the time before mm-hmm. the person would get on stage or like like different venues. But that song, those 808s fucking slap. Like yes, I don't know. Boom. Bro. Yo, I don't know yeah. what they were doing. Cause like, yo, when we think about because I remember like yo, if you're a real Daft Punk head, you were staying, you remember watching the collaborator series. You was watching every one oh, of yeah. them shits every week. When they talk when Pharrell was talking about that drug, I was like, wait, these niggas is on some whole other shit. They drugged Pharrell and they got the, <laughs> they got the <laughs> performance ever from this nigga. Like, are you okay? Yeah. I know Get Lucky is the best pop song of the decade. I understand. It's like yeah. okay. But it's like lose yourself to dance. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm one of those people. Like, I guess like lose yourself to dance and get lucky is like blonde and endless. Like, which one? Is, like, <laughs> like, I'm big. Lo- like, that's that's a bar. That's an incredible comparison. It's that's it's a bar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so what is yeah. your? What What are you going with? If you in the club right now, you have to play a song. You you're in your like seven. If I have ox, which one am I playing? Yeah, which one are you playing? The thing with Get Lucky is it was so overplayed that a lot of people will never fuck with it because yeah. of that. So like Lose Yourself to Dance just has a different vibe to it, but like but Get Lucky is the one, you know? The way that, that shit starts at like they was on something. I don't Yeah. Yeah. They're they're fearless. That's something I want to say about Daft Punk. Like 
they were absolutely fearless with with their creative choices, especially on the first couple records. And like, um, I was actually listening to Discovery the weekend before they announced the breakup because I like I I was just looking at my shelf and I was like, what am I gonna play? Um, and one of the artists I manage, Bloody White, is super inspired by Daft Punk. Like at least like when he first started, like that was the shit that got like it was like Skrillex and Daft Punk made him learn Ableton and like become a producer. And um, I was sitting right here and I, I was listening to Aerodynamic and I was like, it was just so experimental and like so, um, it, it like gives you such a palpable like human feeling of like, what the fuck is this? But also like, it makes perfect sense. You know what I mean? And, like, and it was right out of nowhere. It's like stupid. It's it felt like a roller coaster. It's like they're jerking yeah. you all around like, yeah. And the structure was fearless with that. The, the thing about Discovery too is that it that might be like top three or five most timeless albums. If like if you play it for anybody and you ask them to name a year for it, nobody's gonna get it right. Nobody. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it, it's that's true. that album. I think we lost him for a second, gotcha. but I'll fill in for him. But yeah, the thing with Discovery is like the day I play that for my kids, I could lie to them and tell them that it came out like in twenty whenever I have kids. And they probably believe it. Yeah. Because yeah. the way I mean, that they mix the textures of sounds on there and just it's unbelievable. It like it doesn't sound too dated when they're sampling rock and it doesn't sound too too early two thousands with the pop poppier sounding songs. It it doesn't fit yeah. into any mold or any box. It's like a Dr. Dre album in that sense, where it's like it's just so clean that you could play it at any time and it's still work or, or even Dilla for that matter. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like always of the times in a weird way. That's the music that I love. Like, and, and not to sound corny or like, that's what my career is about or whatever. But like, that's, that's what drives me like to continue working in music because it, yeah. it's a, like, like the industry is not the prettiest place. And like, and, and I do it for that reason is like to try to, to uh, accomplish that thing. And that that could take a, you know a fucking long time. I think mm -hmm. you're you're probably figuring that out right now, Chris. Like putting out music and like yeah. and like doing it, like actually doing it. It's like it, it's an yeah. exercise, right? It is. It's like I work. Uh, I'm a copywriter right now, so like I work. Uh, I, I write a lot, and like when I started doing that, it got me way better at rapping because I'm always writing now. And like, and it's right. like a, I guess. If I had to do like a say like if I had to write some lines or something, I'm gonna have to come up with like fucking forty different ways to do this shit, right? So it's like if I'm doing that, like rapping this shit is easy now. Like I'm just gonna like you know like, but it's it's really cool to like be in that position because right now we, I mean, we just did the first drop, everything rolled out and stuff, but it's like there's a lot that we learned, there's a lot of shit that we didn't know, like there's a lot of logistics and all that to this, so. I commend you for wanting to make that an easier process for the artists that you're working with for real. Cause it's just like, it's a lot when you're trying to make the music, you got to do every, like, you know, all this other crazy shit. So, and also thank you, Jacopy, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, doing everything you need to do. Make yeah. sure he doesn't Max, do Max, your publishing, bro. Yes. <laughs> Max, Max is definitely always, Max has always definitely been somebody who supports artists and will go out of the way to to spend money on artists. Is there any artist that you felt you've ever supported too much or like anything in retrospect where like if you could clean up like the timeline? Because there's definitely CDs that I bought in in the past. Like I have like 
two ASAP Rock, I mean, not ASAP Rocky, ASAP Ferg CDs. And I was like, I don't think I will ever consume either of these albums with this CD ever again. And I don't know what I was thinking when I bought them. I was Ferg, just probably. Bro, that's a New York legend. Yo, come on, bro. Love, 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 to, love to Ferg. He's so nice. I wish I went back and bought his first album because that shit bricked. Or not, not Trap Lord, like the first. Like, Can we talk about one. Trap Lord, though? Yeah, I oh, mean, that one. talk about Trap Lord. That one aged well. I mean, people it's not my favorite of that time, but it's a great record. People don't really. I, like, I think that the, the most interesting thing about it is that it was really one of the last projects that. Well, it really was the last project that Yams had heavy involvement with. Like, yeah. I yeah. think about that album, Trap Lord is really, it felt like an ASAP Yams album and he was living vicariously through, like, like Ferg was able mm -hmm. to, like, get Yams' vision out so well. But, like, we love, like, bro, everybody in Coral Studios knows that, like, bro, we would sit on Skype and, like, before Discord where you could just play yeah. music, I would sit there with my phone to the speaker and we would just listen to, like, the Trap Lord. <laughs> like, <laughs> And what would the modern version of that be like? Dialit or some shit, or, or the like, self-titled? Like, well, like, it was an album that caught us off guard. Like we knew it was gonna be good, but I didn't know it was gonna be like something I'm listening to every day. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think his first album, you know, like when it came out, it kind of like, you know, ruffles. Always oh, strive and prosper. That was it, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. bought the Best Buy. That's what I'm saying. I bought the Best Buy Deluxe Edition. I, I remember you got the going bonus to Best track. Buy. You can be yeah. today. <laughs> it was one of those purchases where I was like, I probably wasn't thinking too far outside of I was in Best Buy. They had physical CDs. I was like, well, I have money today. So what CD <laughs> am I going to buy? Right, right. And I was like, I already have all these Kanye CDs. I already have all these Jay-Z CDs. Oh, right? new ASAP Ferg release. Deluxe edition? Best Buy only? Well. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So is there anybody like that for you? You're just like. Is there anyone I regret support? I, I don't think I would even say that publicly. Like, just because no, I don't want to shit okay. on anyone. Okay. Let's let's reframe it. Regrets. Yeah, okay. I was not shitting on ASAP. Yeah, yeah. Regrets. Okay. Okay. Like, it's it's kind of it's kind of harder. Let's say what would if somebody were to see your collection and they saw like your whole collection, not just the displayed ones, everything you've ever bought, ones you'd have to explain yeah. to them. You know what's fucking hilarious? I thought of this the other day. Um, I I if iTunes counts not CDs or whatever. Does that, does that count? I yeah, bought definitely like, some stupid fucking family guy song when I was a kid, like a Seth MacFarlane, like family guy song or some shit when I was like nine or something mm -hmm. that's like still associated on my iTunes or maybe, maybe it was my old iTunes. I don't remember, but um, like dumb shit like that. I mean, there, there are a few artists like, um, Oh, actually I'll say this one publicly. Um, there was a group called Carmen, like K-A-R-M-I-N, and it was like some pop shit that like, I don't know why I bought that CD. I was like probably in middle school or some shit. I, I do have like a a soft spot for, for pop music, but like, yeah, that one, that one did not age well. I can say that confidently. Carmen, Carmen. Bad, <laughs> bad. <laughs> I bought a Royce the Five Nine vinyl once too. I sold that. Really? Shit. Yeah. Shout out to Royce Five Nine. Shout out to Detroit. Um, yeah, it was like Success Is Certain or one of those albums. Mm -hmm. I sold and that album was, for sure. What was the first one? Like, what was the first vinyl you ever got? Or that I bought? Yeah. For, um, 
I wish I remembered my first CD. I'm sure it was like probably because I have two older sisters, so it was probably like NSYNC or Britney or one of those. Because like that—that's what I remember from my early childhood. Um, uh, so I, the way I got into vinyl is my mom had a bunch of hers from like her college years or whatever in the basement, and when I was like, I want to say like 12, maybe 13, maybe 14, like somewhere in that period. It was probably like 13 or 14. I just like asked her if I could take a look at them and like maybe get a, a turntable and play some of them. And I'll always remember like one of the first ones I saw and the one that I immediately gravitated towards was What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. And that that's easily one of my favorite records ever. Like period, just an incredible, it's, it's, a, it's a story. It's like one song. It's just, it's so perfect. Like probably the most perfect album that exists to me. Like as like as an album album you know and like with the first concept album or whatever um so i have my mom's copy and like her name is written on it which is really cool um i can't remember the first one i bought it might have been like some eminem shit or like mm -hmm. i don't remember probably kanye it was probably kanye to be yeah honest. yeah kanye has a really interesting relationship on wax like he, does. he doesn't really have like I guess like it, I didn't like. Did he not really care too much? Like after a while, like it was just like. Yeah, I mean, graduation never got pressed, but yeah. I. One of the reasons why I think that's the case is um, the licensing fee to Murakami is probably really expensive mm -hmm. for Def Jam, um, and the samples, like the Daft Punk sample, is probably really expensive, like to. Oh, okay, okay. And I, I don't know if they have to necessarily. I don't think they have to necessarily pay to clear it for each thing, but it's just like the amount of approvals required is probably a lot. Um, and then Jesus was supposed to come out on vinyl, but then Virgil, like somebody, this is what we would learn through KTP. Like someone pulled up on Virgil in like 2014 and was like, yo, where's the Jesus vinyl? Like, isn't it supposed to be like a clear record and like a clear box? And he was just like, yeah, we scrapped it. So that's how I knew that like Jesus was never wow. coming, even though I pre-ordered it or whatever, mm -hmm. and it never happened. And like Channel Orange never got, I pre-ordered that record. It never came out. Mm -hmm. I got an email from Best Buy one day or something. Um, yeah, Ye does have a weird relationship. Life of Pablo is not on vinyl. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, not all of them are great pressings either. <laughs> yeah. What is that? As a Jesus is King is though. That's definitely on vinyl. I did not buy that shit. I'll, Dude, I'll I that. bought it and it came in. I wasn't in even. The sleeve. Yeah, in I, the PVC sleeve, right? I sold it. <laughs> I was like, all right, word. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I appreciate artists that really like go the extra mile, like do the alternate cover. You have the whole gatefold, the, the book, blah, blah, blah. Cause like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing, bro. I would love for them to re like to press graduation on vinyl. Holy fuck. Yeah. That would be incredible. I mean, 808s is a great example of a well press. Like it's a really good sounding pressing. I, I actually listened to that recently cause it's been a while. Um, and that one sounds incredible and the packaging is sick and it has like all the extra cause, like it has the special artwork with the, with the hands and like, not like the normal one that came on the CD mm -hmm. with just the heart. And like, there's like a poster and a CD and like, it, it's dope. And uh, yeah, like dark fantasy has cool packaging, but the record sounds terrible. Yeah. And even on, I, I mean, it's super compressed, but like that's mm -hmm. like Mike Dean's style. So like, you know, yeah. it's an aesthetic choice to make like a maximalist record and then make it sound like shit on purpose. But uh... <laughs> it's funny, bro, because like growing up, I there was a t like I just probably started understanding mixing probably like in like 2015, 2016, like because 
you know, like I grew up listening to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy on gummy earbuds. Like we yeah. just like, this was normal. <laughs> it was like when you would get that fucking dat piff hundred and ninety-two. That shit just like rich forever and like all those mixtapes that just like yeah. And then you yeah. remember clicking the screen on your iPod and it'll be like that piff, like in the notes or whatever. Like that was a really <laughs> interesting. Like I, I, oh I try to explain God. that to some producers sometimes because I know a lot of them like try to like they really like kill themselves in terms of mixing in terms of like trying to make it perfect. And I'm like, yo, it there are gonna be, be, be like people like me that appreciate it. But most of these kids listening to this shit on yeah. one part, they listen to this shit on their PlayStation. They too. listen to it like this. Like they don't yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, and AirPods, like which mm-hmm. which I do too. Like it is what it is, you know? It's yeah, but you know, but I appreciate though when you can pull out the, the audio technias or you can pull out the you know open the open shits and just be able to really like, you know, hear like a, a well put together, you know, record. Um Yeah. It's the audio file hour on talking to URL. Uh, you know, yes, yes, um, but in, in terms of that, like, you know, like when did you start really like, do you have like a crazy speaker setup or a relatively crazy speaker setup? It's definitely evolved a lot over the years. So like I, I probably bought the most vinyl and like did the most uh, like, set up work or buying, selling, whatever last year. Cause I was like stuck at home and I still had a job luckily. So I was like, cool, let me like spend some of this money I'm saving on, on some records or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, other, other things too, and like other responsibilities, but I definitely went in a bit and like, um, I went to a lot of tag sales and estate sales and shit like that. I was staying on Long Island for a bit during quarantine. Um, so there were a lot of, you know, there are a lot of like old people that die on Long Island that, you know, had turntables and records and shit. Yeah. Or just old people that are still alive, but they know they're going to die. So they're like, let's give this to somebody. <laughs> uh, literally, like, you meet those you meet those old people that are like, you could have my Star Trek vinyls. Like, you could have whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I found this this amazing turntable. Um, it's, it's from a company called Duel. Um, they were made in Germany in like the late sixties and early seventies and they, they've been defunct for a while, but there are like a few people that like hoard all the parts and like remake some of the parts. And the, that's like a whole other internet, uh, hometown that I've joined in the last year is like, hey. uh, not even posting so much, but like just connecting with like these old boomer white guys that like fix turntables and like know all this shit and have taught me so much. Um, so yeah, so I, I wound up with this amazing dual turntable that um um i took to like one of the guys in new york who's like the expert on those and like he helped me bring it back to life um i found like this old pioneer receiver stereo receiver at a tag sale that was like 10 bucks or something and i i fixed up a bit myself and then the speakers are new though i I have a pair of elacs that are pretty good um there's a whole, there's so many debates in the audiophile shit. Like we can get into like passive versus active speakers and like using a, a stereo receiver versus like, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, that's another thing where it's like, you could research as much as you want or as little as you want. And like, you know, most people won't give a shit how it sounds, but like, yeah. if you, you know, over the years you, you begin to notice things, mm-hmm. all that. I bought speaker stands that were like, more expensive than I thought they would be, but they, they're aesthetically pleasing and I need a speaker stand. So I'll have yeah. these for 20 years yeah. or 30 years or whatever. 
Yeah. That shit is amazing. I, I wanna we're definitely gonna do another episode of these soon where I'm gonna get all the audio files and I'm gonna just let y'all oh. just go crazy. Uh <laughs> we can but I don't know yeah. if it's gonna end in blood. Uh you know <laughs> like uh we, we definitely need the to, loudness wars commence. The loud you know what that is? The loudness yes. wars? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you know, but explain it to the people though, because I don't think a lot of people know about that. Like, that's a very interesting part in the music industry, like in the history. Yeah, of- I don't think it's it even matters anymore because like people listen off the iPhone and like you know like Playboy Cardi stuff is mixed like in a way that some people might not agree. You know, whatever or or whatever like lo-fi music or indie music or um the the easiest way I could explain it to someone is like the loudness wars are pretty much about like compression and and clipping and all these like all these terms that fall under like how do you get the final master recording like the final essentially like the final product of like what it's going to sound like on a specific medium and people like rick rubin for example crank it all the way like as loud as it could possibly be and that's why you just kind of sounds the way it is um on certain records like why it's a little abrasive and obviously like the sonics of the record play into that too but um I don't know, like, I, I'm i trying to think of a good record that, like, I mean, you could take a Stevie Wonder album on vinyl and then, play, like, play that and then on the same speakers play Jesus. And, like, you could kind of get what that means. Like, it's just, uh, I, I don't know all the technical terms either, so I don't want to uh, come off like an expert or anything. But my understanding of it is just, like, um, the louder you turn something up, like, the more likely it is to, to clip or, like, have distortion mm-hmm. or siblings like on the s sounds like the sh- like sound um so everybody that's another thing everybody has their own opinion about the shit i at the end of the day like in 2021 does it matter probably not but like how many people are making vinyl and like if they are how many of them are doing it in a process where like the master is treated like to that medium the way that it should be versus like pressings from the seventies or, or like uh like mobile fidelity, the way that they press the records. Like, I don't know, man, like dialect's not going to sound that great on vinyl is my point. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more of just like, not gonna sound it's like I have this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a collector's item. That's, that's mm-hmm. a part of it for sure. Yeah. No, I find that to be really interesting. Cause like vinyl has boomed obviously. And like, that was always a thing about, you know, like, uh, you like vinyl because of its lossless quality. You know what I mean? Like this is like a very high quality version of this recording, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, hopefully yeah. albums like that. It's interesting to see something that sounds like that get pressed. Like yeah. it's like, is, do you think that the art form or like maybe the medium isn't being used in its proper, you know, like form when this happens or is it just an evolution of sound? When new records get pressed, you mean? Like, when certain, I mean, obviously, like, new records, you know, like, not every new record is going to sound horrible. I mean, most new records are probably going to sound good. But certain ones that specifically sound like Dialit, a minimalistic trap influence, like, you know, like, a bunch of synths and just, like. Yeah. Yeah. That's another subjective one. Like, there's a lot of great electronic sounding records, you know, like, Discovery, I think, sounds great. And um, I'm forgetting the name of the mastering engineer, but one of the guys who did like an early version of Discovery, not the latest repress that you'll get like brand new, but the ones that are from like the earlier 2000s were mastered by this guy. I'm fucking blanking on his name. There are like, there's like a handful of like famous mastering engineers in the vinyl community. And th- this guy was one of them. And like, if you go on Discogs, you'll see people like commenting RIP when he died and stuff because mm-hmm. he was like a legend. 
But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. So one of my friends in LA um, who I, I was just talking to about NFTs was like, oh, this makes sense because like the collector thing and whatever. And we had a similar conversation last year when I was telling him I was buying a bunch of records. And he was like, yeah, I went into Urban Outfitters the other day and I saw Roddy Rich on vinyl. Like who the fuck is buying that? And I was like, a lot of kids are probably going to buy that. And like, I like Roddy Rich. I'm not, I'm not going to buy that right now. But like, you know, maybe at some point, if I'm nostalgic about that time or that album, maybe, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to answer that question. It's like some shit sounds good on the medium. Some of it is just collectibles. Like some of it, I pretend like it doesn't exist. You know, that a little bit of everything, like certain versions of certain albums sound better than others too. Um, especially, uh, especially stuff that was pressed in the 2000s or like came out in like the 90s or 2000s because the medium was dying then and now it's like not at all. So there's, there are opportunities to right some of those wrongs. But uh, from what I've heard, the Dark Fantasy remaster is not that good. So oh. I wouldn't bother with that. Damn. Not for another five or 10 years. <laughs> that shit right. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's really interesting though. Like, Maybe because like I know that in terms of like getting a record pressed, if hypothetically I want to do that, that's like a, a pretty long process. I have to be prepared for months ahead. And so, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that mills are going to like pop back up in terms of like, you know, these next few years or stuff? It's like at this point, vinyl is like nuts. Like it's like that's kind yeah. of the you, like it's kind of weird buying the CD over to vinyl now. Type. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. they've surpassed the CD sales. I'm pretty sure. By mm -hmm. Yeah. Either last year still, or a couple of years. Yeah, and CD sales are back up, and so are tapes, which like makes no fucking sense to me because I grew up on on tapes. Like, I had a deck, and I would make mixes and shit when I was a kid. That's where Music DJ 102 comes from. Like, Whee! like straight up. <laughs> so like, yeah, and tapes sound like shit. Um, so I don't know why people are buying those other than to collect them. And, and I have a few, like I have Jesus and uh, yeah. like Tori Ma put out a, a special tape last year that I bought because I love him and like whatever. Like the, but, joint? the Soul Trash? Yeah, yeah, the causes of this instrumental. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I don't know. I, I, I think people are already trying to bring it back in a bigger way. And like there's such, there's such a uh, long turnaround time because of how many things are being pressed now and like how many things are being repressed. So probably would be my answer, but also like a lot of facilities are using machines like from the 70s and 80s still or earlier, which is fucking crazy. And not much has really been innovated like in that medium. Like people are trying to do more like eco-friendly or sustainable, but it's not like it's made out of fucking PVC. So it, it's like, it's really bad for the environment actually, which makes me like really question when I buy a new record, like fuck, I'm, I, my footprint is expanding each time I buy a record. <laughs> But, but if you do buy vintage and you, you bring like an unwanted goodwill record yeah. back to life and you appreciate it, like that's great. Um, mm -hmm. And the same could be said about buying new gear, like new turntables or new, but I mean like the old shit sounds great if you can fix it up. Um, I don't know, dude. It's it, like, you know, life's a bitch and then you die is my answer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the perfect answer. That's the perfect answer. Yeah. That's a So before we get out of here, I want to ask yeah. you uh, an amazing question. So you're on an island. It's just you. You're with your best friend. Uh, they're only there for a week. So you can bring two vinyls with you. Um, what are the two vinyls? Are you going to just be selfish and just bring two vinyls that you're going to like? Or are you going to accommodate your friend for that week that they're there? 
and it has to be shit that I own. And, and you have like an entire crazy auto audio file setup on this island. Like it's, it's <laughs> I'm nuts. imagining like what, what Kevin Parker's studio setup looks that like, is. but like a vinyl setup. Yeah. Um, if it's from my collection, I would like, I would agree to both albums with somebody. Like I wouldn't want to drive anyone crazy. Like, really? um, yeah, but I don't know what I'd pick. I think I'd probably pick like an Avalanche's record because their albums are so like human and uh, experiential and like good life music. Um, and then I'd have to pick like one rap record. I don't know, like maybe it's Ready to Die or um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you even asked me what I would pick. So th this you could know, take another hour. But... I would love to see you <laughs> don't like, a year later after you was listening to nothing but avalanches and ready to die that would be a different max that's a different it's like on one end it's like super spiritual and chill and then it's like i'm a pop motherfuckers and like, yeah, that's, that's, like <laughs> that's crazy every oh, okay. time i eat a meal i rob and steal like it's yeah dangerous as fuck. and then i'll be like really serene when people aren't around like, that would be a be really weird balance okay <laughs> i gotta ask you one more question you talked about avalanches i forgot that we all love avalanches yeah, which one, which one are you bringing, bro? It's only three of them. Which one are you bring? Uh, I mean, the first one's such a classic, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard not to pick it, but I do love the new record. Um, highly suggest getting it on vinyl if you can, especially the one that comes with like the fold outs and shit. There's like there's a version that's just the sleeve, and then one that like it like folds out three ways. And there's like all this. I think Jonathan Zawada did all the artwork, who's an incredible mm -hmm. artist. Mm -hmm. Um, Zawada did it, and then um. Grant Spainer did the photography, who's also incredible. Um, yeah, I, I, probably since I left you, it's such a classic. And I, I have a, a cool pressing of it, but the new one is is better each time you listen to it. And I wish I didn't listen to the singles because it's, it's a great album. It's it's a great cohesive record, but no, the singles I, like didn't, they weren't the like perfect singles. I listened to it like twice and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Let's yeah. stop. Let me stop. I'm gonna run this into the dirt. Like, yeah, yeah, really beautiful album. Um, damn, bro. Shout out to the Avalanches one time. Uh, me and Jack had an experience watching. Well, we fucking watched, well, what was it? The Subway Subway's video. video. Yeah, it was uh, Subway. Yeah. Video, bro. We were like, like we we're coming up on the on the trip. We we're coming up, and that <laughs> came on. We we're like, yo, dude. Like, I love the album and the song before. I watched the music video a million fucking times. But yeah. I just remember when the when the dude walked out and like the you had like the nipples moving and shit. I was like, "Yo, yeah. this is it. This is great. <laughs> this is the peak of humanity." <laughs> oh but my god, dude! It's another amazing episode. This is what episode five. This is episode five of Talking to URO. We're here. I'm absolutely honored, by the way. Thank you for having me. That's, dude, that's a real URLian right there. A that's real, a real URLian, real URLian. URL Everybody <laughs> that is on the podcast, you're you're unaf like you're automatically a URLian. So now, walk around with pride, knowing that you know you rep the whole entire the whole entire internet is on your side. You know what I mean? Like, thank you, sir. Yes, sir, I appreciate uh, that. You don't bring you yeah, back. Better not come for me for anything I said. No, no, no. <laughs> and if, if y'all come for him, y'all okay. come for me too. So we gonna have to. We gonna. I'll be up there. We we can scrap all these people. <laughs> Let's get it. Real talk. But I'll listen to Ready to Die. Yes, we'll listen to that. <laughs> um, but hell yeah, bro. So we'll have you on here again, obviously. Um, yeah, it'd be great. This is a lot of fun. Yes. Can so, I plug one thing? Actually? Oh, yeah, I, I, I want to plug one thing. Um, like, yo, anything you want to plug, plug. 
Yeah, so uh, you had Haji on last time. I feel like I'm leaking information, but I should I should plug this. Um, I'm I basically put Haji together with an artist uh, that we're all friends with named Squibs, who's who I mentioned earlier. They're doing an NFT together that's dropping soon. So follow Squibs and Haji and buy one. We're making them like as affordable as possible, just so like for people who have never bought an NFT before, this is like a great entry mm-hmm. point. It'll be really cool. You're investing in two dope musicians. Also, Squibs is also a visual artist, but also, you know, he produces and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a really cool piece. This is like, this is something we've been cooking since December and then shit just went crazy. Oh. And like, it was like so much like, how do we do this? And like, now the gas prices are $200 and like whatever, all this crazy shit. So like, it's finally coming out and we're very excited about it. It's like a real piece to highlight Haji's project from last year, Purgatory. Great, um, great project. So yeah, if you, if you see it, spread the word, there aren't going to be a lot of them either. So like, I, I think mm-hmm. they're going to go fast. Um, but yeah, I, I had to plug that. And what's the, no, no. Is there like, questions what's the what's the date again or y'all don't have a date yet um i believe the date is march 11th okay march yeah it's 8th. march 11th how do you spell uh squid like give their ads like so everybody. yeah so it's at squids is uh s-q-u-i-b-s and then i think on instagram it's like squibs hq but if you, if you search him he'll come up and he has like a lot of cool like ar filters and shit on his mm-hmm. instagram um and then haji is h-a-d-g-i and then Gaviota is like that's his artist name, Haji Gaviota, G A V I O T A. My brain still works. There we word, go. Word. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, so listen, this man trying to give you all some wealth. This man yeah, trying to go on. Dude, these these could really go crazy. I mean, Haji's coming up. He's he's making crazy waves right now. I'm proud of him for real. He's been at this for a minute. Um, and such a good dude. And you guys should you should link with Squibs. I feel like he would be cool to have on here too. Maybe no, definitely um, around around definitely. that whole thing. Yeah, 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 send me his contact info. We can definitely get him on here because I would love to talk to him and pick his brain about, you know, all this stuff that's going on for real. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like, he he's one of the artists that I'm like working closely with on NFT stuff and visual art stuff and like mm-hmm. different like creative direction for for like EPs and albums and singles and just, like just different shit. But I, yeah, I like almost every day I retweet um this tweet i wrote like i think it was like squibs to the moon or some shit because like i want everybody to see that name a million times when that when that thing happens and everyone's like yo how do i get a squibs cover how do i do this Uh, like i want to i want this i'll just be like yo i told you a year and a half ago and you didn't fucking follow him then like whatever so don't sleep um and yeah just it, like I'm, I'm always down to answer people's questions about the stuff. Like when I have the time to. So if and yeah, you your, your about it. Too. yeah, it's just it's my Jewish ass name. So it's Max M A X and then uh, Kulchinsky K U L C H I N S K Y. Um, for now, that those are my my usernames. And I, I'm going to be launching like a thing this year, most likely. I just have. It's been a lot of work and a lot yeah. of like blockchain stuff now and, and all that but I, i'm working on some shit and i think i'm gonna drop an nft soon um i have a couple ideas I, I might have to run it by you guys before i do it because oh, I've, I've, I've only shown like a couple of people this thing and i'm like this this is not a cash grab but like i would probably lose money on doing it but i just think it's so cool that like i want to do it you know what i mean that's, that's it. so I, i'll send it to you guys i'll send it to you guys i think it's gonna be cool 
Word, word. Well, uh, Jack, you got anything to say? Everybody go follow Max. Beautiful human being. Thank Amazing. you for your time. Appreciate Max. you, bro. Yes. I appreciate both of you, for real. Nah, thank you. Thank you. For real, for real, man. You, you've always been uh, a source of wisdom to us, you know what I mean? Like, so it's good that we can circle back around after, you know, how we met all that time ago, you know what I mean? And be back on here. So, hell yeah, bro. Uh, hell yeah. Thank y'all for another amazing episode. See y'all in the next. Peace. Yeah.